0: I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is The Lantern Cast.
1: Episode 407, I believe.
0: (laughs) Who knows anymore? Time is irrelevant these
1: days. I think it's 407 since I was working on the the write-up and the XML stuff. I'm pretty sure we're only up to 407. Um, But either way, even if it's not, it's staying in. So if it's 408, hey, it's good for the blooper reel.
0: <laughs> All right, man, what are we talking about tonight?
1: And it is four or seven. Yes, um, the the lantern related stuff for the episode, otherwise known as the least fun part of the episode. <laughs> uh, we're going to do the Green Lantern season two, number six. Uh, in an ever so brief, ever so brief uh recap of that issue. Um we kinda got luckily we got derailed last week when we did the D C fandom uh episode, so now we want to. We feel compelled to start catching up with some of the issue reviews before we fall too far behind, because that new issue is it's not out yet, it's got to be out soon. Uh, Did it come out this week? It's, it used. It used to be the first week of the, the first I'm week of the month.
0: Pretty sure when I was looking to grab the cover image for the album art for this episode, I'm pretty sure it said next week on good. DC DC
1: But well, let me double good. check. Well, that's that's fine if it is because that just I have, there's a few comics I know that I got pulled, including the Joker War number one and actually a Marvel book Maestro number Maestro number one I want to read. So if if it so that way if it if Green Lantern either way whether the Green Lantern came out as the week we're recording or next week I'll I'll go next Wednesday and there'll be a decent enough stash of stuff for me to grab. Yeah, the eighth. Good. Yep. Cool. So we're not that far behind. At least we're not. And uh, if you <laughs> never mind, I'll make that joke later. No, Go ahead. ahead.
0: No, no, no. The joke, the joke would spoil what's in the issue. So oh, let's, okay, yeah, yeah. okay,
1: okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the, and then when the next issue review we'll do will be more fun because that'll be Far Sector, whether it's next week or whenever. That'll be the well. Lord knows we'll be doing Far Sector before we do another episode of this thrilling second season of the Grant Morrison run. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good times. Oh, but before. Before we delve into that, I wanted to – there's a couple of things I wanted to go back to based on – as often as the case, things pop up. Well, one thing wasn't – it wasn't something I forgot to mention. One thing is, but another thing was a byproduct of things that we talked about last week. So, number one, I want, I want to talk about the uh, – we kind of – we talked about – regarding, I think, the Batman trailer and things, about casting and how people react to things. And at the time, I know I, I kind of said – that there were like two main reasons why people tend to get bent out of shape. And then I realized I, there really were three and it was, I was, I'd be remiss not to mention the third because they mentioned Heath Ledger and the third one's really was applicable to Heath Ledger because people didn't really get bent out of shape because he didn't physically resemble a character so much, which was reason one. And they actually didn't get bent out of shape because they didn't think he could act or he didn't have the resume for it. Cause obviously he had already kind of, he had a decent track record at that point. The real reason the third reason was applicable to Heath Ledger, which was whose footsteps are you following in if it's applicable based you – know, that that's a natural asterisk because sometimes it's not applicable. If it's a character that's never been on film before, then it wouldn't be – then that one wouldn't be applicable. But for Heath Ledger, he was following the in the, the footsteps of Jack Nicholson's Joker from the 89 Michael Keaton Batman. So that's a large reason why people had a problem with his cast because they didn't see how he could – what he could bring to the table – that could match the Jack Nicholson performance. Obviously, now we know, but so that so that's just that, so that was one thing I wanted to revisit that there's usually that there usually are um, the combination of those three, like we talked about Jeffrey Wright and you know nobody nobody really react. I mean, some people might have had an issue with Jeffrey Wright being Commissioner Gordon, but the majority of people didn't even blink at it because we've seen because we because we know who Jeffrey Wright is as an actor now. But if this was ten years ago. If it was ten years ago, then you could have then you could have had a combination of all three. Let's say let let's say let's say you go back t- ten years ago, or you go back just to the Nolan trilogy, and they and there had been nobody nobody had played Commissioner Gordon since, and and Jeffrey Wright was at you know different part of his career. Then it could have been all three people could have got upset about it. Could have been well he looks nothing like the character. We don't know really who Jeffrey Wright is, so who, we don't know if he can do the role. And my God, he's following—he's following Gary Oldman. Come on! So that I—I I, so I felt because of, I know I mentioned Heath Ledger next last week. It would kind of be remiss not to actually mention probably the more the main reason why people probably doubted Heath Ledger, which had nothing to do with uh, the first two reasons I mentioned. Uh, one thing. So that's that's number one. Number two, and I agree with you last week because I remembered it but i underestimated the importance of it god the inability to save any part of the return the death and return of superman is so frustrating
0: <laughs> i told you so,
1: and i remember it because i played it but i hadn't i mean but i legitimately i don't think i had really sat down to play the game trying to finish it probably for over 10 plus years maybe longer than that but i made a concerted effort friday night last week to try to get through the game, and I, re- I mean, and, I, and this is the funny part. I remembered level seven and nine sucked. The two steel levels sucked. They were hard. Steel Rain level seven sucked, and the Engine Core level sucked. I remember them being hard levels to get. Th- I really underestimated my. I misremembered. <laughs> using the magic term there, uh, I di- I completely underestimated how hard the final screen was, just because of the repetitiveness which makes sense because it plays just like level 7, except this time you have a, a big bad. Level 7, Steel Rain, once you realize, and, you, and, and unless you use a cheat sheet or your memory is really good, you don't realize there's no big bad at the end until you just get to the end. You could, so you're always leery about using your special attacks and everything else as you're working through. All these countless bad guys that are swarming over you and you have to get through over and over. But you think there's something at the end you might need your special attacks for, but there isn't. The final level, the Return of Superman, you have all those characters that you're dealing with in level 7, except you you have Cyborg Superman waiting for you at the end and you need your special attacks and he actually uses special attacks on you. So I got to the end. I I had some trouble with level 7. Level 7 gave me – I took a break and left it on and came back to it for like an hour later and i got through level 7 level 8 with superboy destroying the missile to, that's going to metropolis is easy as hell level 9 was a pain in the ass at the engine's core but it didn't slow me down all that much probably by probably by midnight or so i was on level t- i was on the final level I played that damn thing so long. I left it on overnight into Saturday. My thumbs were killing me. I was getting frustrated. I got to the end, and I was like, literally one shot, one one shot, one punch away from taking out Cyborg Superman a couple of times, and then I just had to pack it in because I just didn't want to leave the damn game on. But it was, but it's so, but the, that's. I thought of you when I was going through that Friday night. It's like, oh my god! It's like I, know, I remember that there was no save feature. I remember back in the day, vaguely. That it's frustrating, but I really hadn't sat down to try to get through the whole game, as opposed to just have fun and play through like the first five or six levels, which are really fun and really—you don't run from my from my gameplay experience, including my my recollection and what I did last week. The only the first level you're coming to a little bit of problem for me, anyway, is the end of level six with Superboy against Cyborg Superman. But that's not that—that's not much of a problem. You get through it steel you know the steel level is the first real hard one i think in the game but oh my god that was the first time i really tried to get through it it's like so frustrating at the end because all these characters all these claw things are grabbing you and it's like you're getting so close and it's like all you need to do is get to the end with like maybe two full lives and like three special attacks you could probably win but it's so hard because these things just keep coming at you there's no save feature the only good thing is when you die, you pick up at the same level where you leave, where you leave off. They don't take you all the way back to the beginning. But oh my god! But yeah, I thought I thought of you because of that. It was like oh my! I, it was so frustrating because I got so close, but yet you know I couldn't save it. It'd be so much easier if I could save it and just come back to it like in a day. And no, I don't now. I don't, no, I don't have to go through all these nine levels just to get back to where I was.
0: I'm pretty sure wasn't maximum carnage like that too? I don't think maximum carnage had a save feature either, which sucks because that was a really fun game.
1: That was another they had that was the Super Nintendo version. Yeah, the one uh, the one with the red cartridge. yeah, I don't think I had I don't think I had that one. It's kind of funny because I do have almost all of my Super Nintendo games. I do I, I went back to double check to check what I had. But, yeah, but it's got kind of it's the majority, I think, almost the, the majority of the, of the Super Nintendo games I think I had didn't, didn't have save features, or at least half of them didn't.
0: Well, um,
1: yeah, I mean I know
0: Super Mario World does. I know uh, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past does. Um, I'm just trying to think of the various games.
1: But Task Force, uh, Task Force didn't, right? Justice League Task Force. I don't. Force
0: didn't. I don't think so. Aladdin, the Aladdin game didn't. But each time you pass, like not not necessarily a level, but like a section of the game, it would give you a code at the end so that you could. Like you know, write oh, down
1: yes, those codes. That, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 is a, that is a that. See if they did that, that would be nice. That's because that's remember because that's the which I don't think you. I think we talked about this. I don't think you ever played the Godzilla game for the NES. That's what the uh, God- the
0: NES. No, I played the Godzilla game for SNES.
1: Yeah. For the for the for the NES, which was which was really awesome because it was set up to be like it was kind of like a chess game. I'm, I was kind of the board was kind of like it was it well. Uh, I don't – it's not true – it's kind of like a chess game, but it's like a lot a lot of typical board games uh, with the hexagonal spacing, and you have Mothra and Godzilla, and you're maneuvering through, and you have to get to the end of the screen, which is every planet – every screen – every every time you kept advancing from planet to planet, basically you were trying to get to Planet X. Uh, so you were going through all these diff- – all planets in the solar system, and you basically – you fought your way through cities, and eventually each level had a big, bad – Another monster you had to square off with, whichever one, whoever you beat him with, you didn't necessarily. I don't think, if I remember correctly, you didn't have to beat that monster with both Godzilla and Mothra. You just had to beat that monster with one of those two characters, and then you got to the next level. And eventually, you get to you know, you get to you know, Planet X or and a Planet Zero, uh, and but that that game was another one that had had a code where you would put it in, so you you so so you would. You, so you could pick up on the right on the planet where you, you know where you were where you ended or where you the next planet you advanced to that it, it was set up. So yeah, you put this code in so you don't. So it's not like you have to you have to start over. But no,
0: yeah, yeah I still remember one of those codes for Aladdin to this day: genie, Jafar, Aladdin, Abu. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, this wasn't this wasn't as clever. These were just like random letters and random numbers. Which I do uh-huh. have I do have some of them because I because I do I do still have that NES game. I kept it because I really enjoyed it. I think some I think there may be like a couple of slips of paper in there that have the handwritten, down, handwritten uh codes, which is kind of cool in case I ever if I decide to bring that up and play it, assuming it still works, uh, that I could at least I know I could play play that game.
0: Yeah, Genie genie, Jafar Aladdin Abu takes you to level four, which is the one that's inside the Genie's Lamp. I remember that one because in the Aladdin movie the there were a bunch of uh, uh, there were you know obviously, I, I, it's one of my favorite, I think it, yeah, it is my favorite uh, D, you know Disney animated feature Hercules being a close second. But I'm pretty sure what had happened was Disney gave the script for Aladdin to the video game developers, which is, I believe how it typically you know works. And in the first level, you know, it all sort of takes place in the streets of Agrabah. And level two, it's the Cave of Wonders. Level three, you're riding the carpet to escape from the Cave of Wonders. Uh, and level six is, takes place in Jafar's palace, which is just the palace. Uh, but level four and level five are not scenes from the movie. Apparently, in the escape from the Cave of Wonders, you know, after they are, are like, you know, trapped down in there, Genie supposedly takes Aladdin into the lamp with him. And there was like a whole supposed to be a whole scene of that. And then there was in the escape from the Cave of Wonders, you know how like they come shooting out of that and they land in that oasis. And he's like, Genie, I want you to make me a prince. You know, that's whole the whole thing. I guess in one of those, they fell through something or crash landed somewhere, but they landed in like an ancient pyramid and like some burial ground or something. And uh, and they had to rescue Abu from being possessed or something like that. I don't know. I'm pretty sure those two sort of levels that they coded into the SNES Aladdin game. And I think it was also for Sega at the time. I'm pretty sure that those levels were originally supposed to be scenes in the Aladdin uh, script in the movie.
1: That yeah, would make sense that some some of those things some of those things happen where uh, and it, like it's like the novelization some of the, a lot of the novelizations it's not just the authors expanding upon uh, taking uh, free liberties or free reign and liberties on it's a lot of a lot of time there are things that were originally in the version of the script and then of course things get edited out and changed and cut and they end up in the book so so it, it would make sense that if depending on how far how you know how you were trying to time the release of the game with the release of the movie and everything else that they would have a certain a version of the script to work from and I think there very well could have been mod- modifications and changes and boom. Yeah,
0: because I think like that's, that scene where Genie's like doing, uh, you know, you ain't never had a friend like me, that whole, that whole number inside the cavern. Uh, that was, I think, all supposed to take place in the lamp, not necessarily out of it. So, I think that was the idea. Um, but anyways, uh, what are we talking about tonight? Oh, there was
1: one last thing. Okay, one more thing one last thing this is not related to last week I just figured we should mention the Chadwick Bozeman thing ever so briefly if only only because it, it also opens the door for speculation about what they're going to do uh, because my initial it, it's obviously not just, just getting to the crux of it it's obviously very sad and it makes sense since we saw what he looked like recently so people suspected there was something wrong with him not that I mean obviously he's been dealing the fact that he had been dealing with like colon cancer for a long time is that kind of that was a little shocking but uh, so it's gonna it's obviously a a huge loss across the board. How it affects the MCU is interesting, not just because obviously the people that have been rattling the cage for a long time, a long time considering that Black Panther hasn't been as a movie, hasn't been out there all that long but they were, so many people were so quick to want to push him, push him out of the way to get make Shuri Black Panther anyway, well now that you know, those drum beats are already, you've already seen those drum beats uh, picking up whether, I think a little bit too much trying to maybe it's true, it's it's hard to know, but, not, but it's kind of like being the agenda a little bit is being pushed by wrapping it up and say oh chadwick chadwick would wanted that well maybe he would but that's not the real reason you want a lot of these people want shuri to be to be a uh, black panther which is fine if they're going to continue on that would probably make sense to do something like that but to me it's more interest it's the really interesting part is how that, that is yet another wrinkle in the marvel release schedule that you think is going to have ramifications since black panther is supposed to be a, black panther 2 is supposed to be a 2022 release a May twenty two two May twenty twenty two release I believe. So now that comes down to what the hell they're going to do with that. You think? Because even if what uh, if Coogler had his script all ready to go, clearly now that has to done has to fix. That has to be rewritten dramatically so now you would think if James Gunn is able to if he's now contractually able to start working on a movie since Suicide's, the Suicide Squad is done and that movie's not coming out to sometime next uh, what, the summer or whatever next year that that would seemingly be a good that would be the most logical filler now As on, they could just move Doctor Strange because they have Thor and Doctor Strange both to come out within like a month of each other which is stupid 2022 push Ma- Doctor Strange back to a May release just a year off of when it was supposed to come out but if they want to stick to a schedule, which they almost have to do on some level because of how many movies are backlogged on. This would be a good time to put Guardians in. This would be a good time to have Guardians film sometime next year and have that be the May 2020 release, 22 release, because it should have always been a May release, and it would it would fit a need. So that's one. Of those, that's the one thought that crossed my mind, depending on from my, from. My- from a movie making perspective that depending on contractual obligations of cast members and everything else. And if, and James Gunn's if he really is free to move on to another project now, really, because that movie would not have to start shooting until probably the summer of next year to be able to meet a May 2022 deadline. The script, obviously we all know is done because the script was done before he went to, he jumped ship to DC. So that would be what I would do. But, but, but but depending on the actors, they could, there could be contractual obligations, but so Wakanda forever. Yeah. that that, that is that is really sad that is really sad and it'll be it'll be interesting to see how Marvel handles it and how things change with that it will be interesting to see um but it's tragic across the board. But thinking big picture, also, I was I was, I couldn't help but think of what that was going to mean mean to them. Considering even though he really hasn't hasn't been in the MCU that long, how or the character and Chadwick Boseman had you know, became. That is kind of a, another. Uh, that's yet another loss, but obviously a more permanent loss. But another huge loss of a major a major character also in the, in the MCU that's gone. Even if they recast it, the point is it's not the same act. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's one thing to recast because you know someone demanded more money or whatever, um, a la Rodi or, or whatever, but it's quite another to recast someone who uh, who passed away. So.
1: And somebody who, by for all accounts, was just about to start doing what he could do to bulk up again. Anyway, you know, uh. he was just uh. about. Yeah, he, I think within the ne- within a month or within a month of his death, I guess he was about to ready to. He was start. He was about to our start. He was about to start, or had already started the like preliminary stages of, bu- of bulk of bulking back up again, or trying to bulk back up again. Um, so well, yeah.
0: yeah, that that you know, stage four colon cancer, <laughs> stage four of any cancer is intense to deal with. But right, the idea, and I don't want to sit here and say like Marvel caused his death or anything, but the uh, the process that Hollywood puts actors through to bulk up and the diets and stuff that they they go on. Uh, the constant back and forth of their physical bodies is uh, probably not good for him, uh, especially uh, going through that process but regardless again I'm not saying anybody caused it or anything it's obviously something that he's been dealing with for a long time but yeah I, I can't imagine just knowing he had stage four colon cancer uh, well stage three and then it eventually became stage four. I can't imagine the the rigor uh, and the uh, effect that those diets and exercises and how severe they were, Um, because I'm pretty sure one of the tricks I've heard for highlighting sort of like the the uh, definition. Yeah, the definition of muscles uh, on film is to, like, make sure you're dehydrated so they pop more. So, like i mean it's not good to be dehydrated period so um you know the idea of doing that just just that alone regardless of what you know not even taking into account what you have to do to put on that much muscle mass that quickly and the training to do whatever stunts you say you're going to do as opposed to your 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 stunt person and all that stuff it's just uh I can't imagine doing that with uh, with cancer, let alone, regardless of the stage. So, yeah.
1: And he's and I think what they said he had it for like two years, or he was been dealing with it for about two years before he died. So, yeah. so you think about that? That that takes you back to. I mean, that means probably he that if that's about right, then he probably would have got that he probably was diagnosed with it shortly after, relatively shortly after Black Panther came between Black yeah. somewhere around that time Black after Black Panther and or after Infinity. So, uh, yeah, so that, so yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's, that's really, that's really Get yourself,
0: get yourself checked out folks. I had a colonoscopy for all the shit I'm dealing with and they didn't find any polyps. So they said, you know, outside of everything that I have going on, I don't have to do this. I don't have to do it. You know, we'll see you again when you're 50. So, um, but yeah, you know, typically they don't have you do anything until you're 50, but it doesn't mean it can't clearly, come before you turn that age so you know talk to your doctors and make sure you know what you're up against so they can do even if you don't need a colonoscopy to figure it out they can do blood panels and stuff to see what what's in your system and you know do scans and things like that so probably not the greatest idea financially speaking uh but you know if you can afford it if you're able to do it which it's stupid. I'm not going to get into the politics of it, but it's a stupid ass thing that we have to say if you can afford it in this country. Um, but that's just me. Um, uh, you know, if you can afford it, you know, get yourself checked out. You never know what's happening under the surface. I could have, in a, you know, I could have in a way, I guess, figured out I had diverticulitis before I got an infection or diverticulosis before I got an infection. There's a possibility they could have caught it before it became infected. You never know. Um but anyways uh what's the issue we're talking about tonight
1: Unfortunately the issue we're talking about is The Green Lantern Season 2 number 6 uh which assault on Sector General Grant Morrison Still Grant Morrison <laughs> Liam Sharp, Steve Oliff, Steve Wands, Liam Sharp and Laura Martin did the cover, Tony Daniel and Tomei more did the variant cover, Brian Cunningham still the editor. Well, uh, what uh, Which cover did you get? I actually I think got the variant cover with Hal Flying in Space with the freaky eye thing te- the tentacle eye thing around him. But I was just about to say, I actually liked both I really liked both covers this month so it actually was a tough choice which one to get.
0: I went with the variant because I, I do agree with you I liked both but I've just been getting I, I've been really liking a lot of it. Variants for this series, uh, which is actually interesting because one of the things I want to talk about after we after we get done talking about the issue is some of the ads in here. But I was just looking at it because I, you know I was obviously not able to pick up solid copy issues for a little bit, so I you know one of the, in wanting to look at the ads, I wanted to check something. So one of the two of the issues I bought were Green Lantern season two number three and number five. Uh, I have the variants for both, but if you listen. That's the cover of the paper, you know, for issue three, and then uh, this is is issue five. The issue five is like on a almost thicker, maybe cardstock type thing. the 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 cover for that, and they charged four ninety nine for this. This issue isn't bigger. Uh, it's not necessarily, and, and it's my own fault for not noticing. I I don't want to sit here and say I don't pay attention to price, but clearly I didn't this time because. You know basically I was just going through the store and knowing my my you know bill would be big because I'm buying up a shit ton of the stuff I missed while I was gone right so you know, I you know I just didn't look at it this issue, but this issue issue five wasn't longer. It's the variant cover had this card stock on it, and they charged a full dollar more for this thing. It's four ninety nine as opposed to the regular three ninety nine. And I've got the variant for issue six, variant for issue six three ninety nine, variant for your issue three three ninety nine. So they 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 charged extra for this weird card stock they for some reason did on issue five and the variant. I don't know. Do you have the physical copy of issue five with a regular cover, or do you have the cardstock variant? Uh, by uh, what is this Anderson who did the variant here?
1: Hold on, let me pull it up. Yeah, let me, well, let me just—I'll go back. Let me just go back to the site, take a look at what artwork we used
0: for that. Gary Gary Frank and Brad Anderson did the variant for this.
1: I have the regular cover. I'm pretty sure I have the regular cover for that one.
0: Do you remember if the the paper was cardstock on that? No. Was it for both issues?
1: Okay. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I can't remember. I've already. I've already put that. I've already put that issue in a tub, and God willing, I'll never look at it again.
0: <laughs> ah, the the completionist in all of us. <laughs> ah, all right, man. Uh, the floor is yours. Go for it, dude. <laughs> oh
1: God. All right. This is going to be this is going to be bare bones, real, real bare bones. Because I mean, there is stuff happening in this issue, but it, again, even the main stuff that's going on is rel- relatively straightforward. You have to admit, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was, I was just about to say it's pretty straightforward.
1: Yeah. <laughs> this is you know this this is your again Morrison dial to four or five. This this is not the worst of the worst examples of. Where you just want to like give up, give up reading, or put your eyes out and never read anything again, kind of stuff that we have experienced in this in this book. Uh, so we we so I guess uh, we begin on this hospital on this hospital ship where, if you remember last, if you do remember last issue, and if you don't, we completely understand. <laughs> yeah. How was in really bad shape from um, from taking on uh, hyperman and hyperwoman and hyperdog and hypercat. <laughs> I prefer it. I, it, it doesn't really matter. So they're bringing him into they're bringing to this hospital ship. Uh, nurse Lalo there, who is, who is this really freaky looking alien? Who of course, be, how how appropriate that, that this this really weird alien chick. But how supposedly had a fling with this chick? <laughs> or was joking that he did? He might have. He might have been joking. He might have been. But, uh, but if you read the description in the beginning when she said, you know, you know, kind of like uh, she, you know, rec- you know she kind of like uh, recognizing the desert dust and spice, from, uh, you know, triggers a, pre- a precise and fragile nostalgia for times yet to come, which, of course, doesn't make sense. Nostalgia so it, hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. But I think that, that kind of implied that she, to me, that she knew who Hal Jordan was either way. So uh, Hal Jordan was in – he was really in bad shape and he, you know, he, he had been uh, basically uh, – he was on the verge of dying, so this picks up picks up with that, they bring him in to get you know, to get to get healed. he wakes up and uh, I do like that, that lion thing who was really annoying. Uh, kept, keeps typical patient keeps asking for a nurse and can't, can't get the nurse. Uh, Hal, you know has he's been operated on he also has uh, like these nanosurgeons that are guess, still operating on him. I do like the Dr. Keldare, which obviously must be a play on Dr. Kildare, uh, that the famous doctor that I think it was what, Richard Chamberlain. I think played Doctor Kildare on TV, but you have to assume Doctor Keldar is a, is a is a kind of like a homage to that. Um, Hal kind of wakes up. He wants to know where his power ring is. This is kind of interesting. How you know his nurse mentions the fact that you know that he, that, that the ring barely survived the encounter with Hyperwoman, and it's going undergoing treatment itself in the non biological ring. Wing. So they actually have so it's, so the hospital it doesn't just treat living beings; it can treat non living beings <laughs> like Hal's powering and it works. So I do kind of like that. They have, they have a whole bunch of Green Lanterns there that kind of uh, between that are paying their respects and kind of who help. Was some of these the ones that helped rescue Hal, or they they just showed up at the medical.
0: Um, point? Well, hold on, I've got issue five still right in front of I me. So think let me see. Some
1: of these just showed up. We see the ones in on the first page were the ones who re- yeah. came to rescue him.
0: Yeah, there. So at the end, at the end of the, the issue, yeah, uh, the crystal dude, the Zudarian. Uh, the Zudarian is there, and a couple of others uh, actually,
1: including the one that acts as a life support system. Uh, but yeah, oh so,
0: no, no, sorry, uh, that's Flash and one of these winged wing things. Yeah. So yeah, just at the end of the uh, issue five, it was the Zudarian and the crystalline guy, and then one of the grown up hawk things in costume, and the
1: Flash. Right, and the, yeah. thing with, and the thing with the tentacles, that was the thing that was the life support system, um, someone that's carrying them in? I think so. I think so, because that would be the only other one that shows up on the first page that's sitting there. But you have all, the, all these other Green Lanterns, and it's like, a, oh, you know, it's like, a, you know, Al Jordan said, my home world, you know, he's a machine, he's unstoppable. And while while they're all there basically waiting to find out what's going on with Hal, they kind of get attacked by, what, the Qua Man the and other, an- some other anti-matter lanterns. I like the fact that he really looks like Deathlock on that pseudo on that almost full splash page. He huh. does look very Deathlocky. y uh, So basically the, all these Green Lanterns are being taken out and being decimated. Hal gets out of bed because it's Hal even though they're telling him you – know, the nurse is telling him, hey, you can't do that. I must admit, I, I do think it's kind of funny when Doctor Keldar goes wobbling off to see what's going on, and she tries to warn him about the thing falling out of the ceiling, and it just squashes him. <laughs> I think that's kind of um, do, are we, does that. Does it kill him? It looks like it might.
0: Yeah, he, there's there's uh, goo on the yeah, floor that goo. shouldn't that, be there. Yeah, it
1: looks like it looks like he, he he's a goner there. So how go how goes out? And this this line thing continues to be really annoying. This uh, crassiest uh, quite six. I, again, I didn't do any research to know if we were actually supposed to know who this character is, whether he showed up before. To me, does, I don't really care. Um, he's he's kind he's like the cowardly lion in one level, and he's and he's and he's, a, and he's a whiner. So Hal, you know, Hal gets in his face. Hal sees one of the green one of the Green Lanterns that pretty much bought the farm at, at the hand of the Qua Man, and he calls, and he basically counter counteracts the uh, rings the early process of the ring, looking for a new suitable bearer. Hal calls that ring to him. And I do like the little exchange here, where you, where you basically have the I, the AI, which kind of answers the question we had, whether we thought the AI of the ring, the Hal's relationship was just because of you know the world that he had been in inside the ring with Mark Witten and everything else, or whether this was something new. <gasps> and it would appear to be something new because this ring, uh, this this ring basically explains to Hal that the relationship he had with you know with his with his with his uh, bearer, and it's like, oh, we specialize in extremely <laughs> elaborate constructs. Hal's like, I do hands and he does a very nice hand too, to you know, to to crush it to crush his way out um so we, the rest of the issue is basically just Hal and you know in that and the Zudarian and crystal lantern uh, trying to deal with the rest of the uh, these the antimatter lanterns uh, how, you know I do like when the, the lion kind of like just stops being a, a whiny little biatch and kind of like bulks up for a second, like and rips the antimatter lantern apart. I thought that was really <laughs> when he when he thought he was being left behind. Then all of a sudden, <laughs> that got him mad. Then he, then he kind of hulked up. That was kind that was kind of cool. I also like I like the fact that you know the, the little the little trick that the you know the crystallized lantern uses to take out that one uh, antimatter lantern. Hal also is able to, which ties, I guess, ties into the stuff from season one and the, and the stuff we'd rather forget that the three issue dark, uh, black star arc when, in the fantasy world that Hal created, that part of it was using what the, what the star, the star, the, uh, evil star power.
0: Yeah, the star band.
1: Yeah, the star band. that because of that, Hal, you know, because, because evil star is like, he's in this hospital, but, but he's incapacitated, but Hal's able to call Basically, call on the starlings and use them to help because because of his tie into that power. So he uses that, and and, and they start duke, duking it out with some of the the antimatter lanterns. The Quan Man and Hal base, basically square off. Hal, Hal gets blasted. <laughs> he gets up and says, "Hey, is that all you got?" And he falls flat on his face. Uh, the surviving <laughs> the surviving antimatter lanterns leave. Uh, then we cut to we cut to the end where we have the uh, what. The, the young guardians there looking at Hal and it's like, you can't say we didn't warn you, Lantern, Jordan, but you have a reputation for not listening uh, to maintain, uh, don't you? And it's like, how does it feel to be dead? And Hal's like, again? Which is kind of cool because his outfit is very spectral, like uh, with, with the cloak and, and, and – to be continued.
0: Which brings me to my joke. Uh, when <laughs> when we cover Green Lantern Season 2, Issue 7, that'll be on an episode of pre-birth. <laughs> <laughs> Which we might want to do just for the hell of it, anyways. If it, if it shows up, if it shows up as is a much more spectre. I mean, it looks spectre, but will it play out that way? We don't know. It's doubtful, it, but yeah, if, yeah. if it does, it'd be funny if we did because it shows up in the same feed, anyways.
1: <laughs> That's a cool costume, though. Cl- no, no, yeah, yeah do, it was cool. I do like I do like that look. I do like I do like that look. But yes, that's one of the which makes sense because when I, we saw that costume, we saw like previews of Hal wearing that costume like months ago, and it's like hmm, it's kind of interesting look. And now that we find out that he's kind of dead, it's like like yeah, it is kind of it is kind of cool that it do, it does absolutely resemble uh, Hal's look as the Spectre, at least as far as the cloak goes. Obviously, his costume is much more full on Green Lanterny color scheme wise than it was when he was the Spectre. But yeah. It, it's that that part was pretty cool. So
0: Um more wonderful Liam Sharp art, you know, yes. I, I don't need to I don't need to harp on it. That close up shot of of uh, the antimatter lantern, you know, hulking out, going all cyborg and shit, uh that's pretty cool, super detailed, lots of cool stuff happening around here. Um, I don't know, I'm not an artist, I don't know how to articulate it, but it just looks fantastic. I do like this more painted style we get when we get space shots of like the space station that they're in, when that explodes, uh, the kind of uh, stuff that you see. Basically, whenever there's a shot outside of the ship, uh, it, it's, it, it's a different style. There's more uh, smooth smoothness and painted look to it. Um, including the ship itself. So I think that's I think that's pretty cool looking. Do you notice that? Yes. Yeah, the art really style agree. is definitely different. Uh, so that's that's a cool effect to use. Um, so I did notice it. Props to you again, Liam. But I became it uninvested in the series long ago with ish, specifically with issue two of. Of season two and you know to be to be fair by the time we got there i didn't start uh, i didn't really uh it wasn't our i was already not in a pretty good pretty good place with this series so uh was it nice to get a straightforward sort of breather issue with some some you know fighting and uh, a pretty easy to follow thing sure but more relatively unintelligible or hard to follow dialogue uh And all that stuff, maybe that's personal preference, maybe it's a legitimate complaint. I don't care Uh, when you're reading a comic, it's all about what your opinion of it is at the time. And uh, this is not an easy read, and uh, I don't feel like I should have to work hard to read an issue. So I've said it before, and uh, I'll continue saying it just because I... I don't think we should, you know, even if we don't like it, we shouldn't really be phoning these in just because I think everybody will just get bored with the episodes and just go, why the hell don't you just not cover it then? Um, I will continue giving my honest opinions. You never know whose episode of this, you know, of Lantern Cast is their first episode. So I'll give the context, but I'm not going to harp on it long. Uh, If you are, if you do happen to be a new listener, go back and listen to older stuff and you'll know more thoughts. But I just don't, I'm not here for it. I'm not here for this uh, this this story. Um, Far sector to me is the superior lantern book, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, The other stuff I want to talk about is not related to the story, but like the ads and stuff. But uh, you know, I'll let you. Before we get there, I'll I'll let you talk about your thoughts on. I know you did some of it during your recap.
1: I mean, you summed it up well when you said it's good that this is that this is more of a straightforward story. It is good that, again, this is Morrison dialed down to five or six, not dialed up to 11, uh You got for whether it's just him doing this or whether DC begs him to do this. The mere the fact that he does alternate this, so we ne- we very rarely get like two. We, we get more than maybe two Morrison dialed up to eleven issues back to back, and we do have some. We're more likely to have two of these issues back to back than two of these really crazy, horrible banging your head against the wall issues back to back. But still, you know, it is relatively straightforward. Again, I don't know how thrilled I am to be going back and dealing with the antimatter stuff. I mean, I, I didn't think that was maybe I would have had more of an impact that we hadn't had that whole uh, divergence going with all these characters that they threw in from you know from the we a lot of people aren't going to even know who they were you know basically multiversity tie-ins and stuff if we were dealing with like issues 10 11 and 12 of season one that maybe if the qua man thing was more straightforward and we were dealing with that more i would have cared more about the uh that storyline uh i yeah i it's it's okay i don't i i don't hate this issue i it's you know is it was it was it great to read is, I mean, is it something i'm looking forward to do i do i look forward to this book every month no i don't look forward to it but yeah this is not this is certainly not the most painful or difficult book to get through that I've read in the past couple of years so that may not be much of a positive or a litmus test to go by but trying to be positive the reality is since it, it meets that basic criteria it's it's okay it you know it's it was a it gets you from point a to b which means we're we're closer to the end of season two <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, so the ads, uh, what, part of the reason I talk, wanted to talk about this is just uh, what ads are in here. Not necessarily, the, I mean, I will talk about the content of some of the ads, but just sort of the general theme of the ads. Uh, so that's why I got out my issue uh, three and my issue five, because I wanted to compare and contrast. Uh, in issue three, the back page, the back, of, the back cover really, on one side has an ad for Florida Supercon, and on the other has an ad for the Scoob animated movie. Uh, in issue five, uh, the back of the front cover and the inside of the back cover are both ads for Snowpiercer, and the back cover is an ad for Tenet. Uh, in issue six, every single ad is a DC ad, and I thought that was kind of cool uh, in some way or another. So in the front, we have the Audible original of the Sandman, uh, you know, uh, Audible yeah, I guess we could call this drama because we do have a full voice cast. I did know Neil Gaiman was a part of it, and I did know Cat Dennings is a part of it because I uh, follow Cat Dennings on Instagram for obvious reasons.
1: Uh, <laughs> you you follow parts of Cat Dennings?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I actually do. You know, I actually do like Cat Dennings. I like her sense of humor and stuff. So uh, she grates on some people, but I actually, you know, I actually enjoy. It. But that's neither here nor there. Either way, she she was talking about Sandman and her role in it. Uh, when it was being announced and released and stuff so i knew neil was a part of it and i knew cat was a part of it i didn't know about the rest of the cast james mcavoy as morpheus riza meds in this taron edgerton freaking uh, michael sheen and andy circus like this is a big audible cast um so I am. I mean, I was already going to try and find this, but my uh, my anticipation and uh, you know desire to hunt this down much sooner rather than later has definitely amped up. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, Cat Innings plays the voice of death in this in this thing. So that's why. Um, uh, let's see. One of the other ads is uh, a DC Metal Guidebook. Um, There's way, more way too much
1: metal stuff. It messed up uh, up to friggin' Wazoo in this book.
0: Uh, and to uh, a double page ad for DC Fandom, um, which is ad- advertising the August twenty second dates of it, and not the September stuff. And it it's a it's my opinion that uh, you should have only advertised images of the characters you were actually going to talk about on those dates. Uh, but you know that's neither here nor there because we see there is uh, Green Lantern. And they didn't talk about him at all, uh, but I, I, we'll talk about that at another time. Um, this is interesting because I haven't caught up with Legion yet. Because I definitely, I was going to just like straight up read that issue that was advertised and solicited to specifically talk about the Golden Lantern, but you know, but I was like, you know what? I did enjoy, you know, to an extent, kind of that first issue and the. The two issues that preceded it of, uh, I think they called it uh, Legion Millennium or something like that. Um, but I didn't know that this trial of the Legion of Superheroes issue is issues eight, and nine of Legion are going to be this massive thing because there is a metric F ton of artists on this thing. So I'm just going to name some of the ones that I, I, I recognize and I, I definitely appreciate their work. Uh, Mike Allred. Jordy Belair, uh, let's see, Cully Hamner, uh, Dan Jurgens, uh, Jeff Lemire, Dustin Nguyen, Michael Avon Oming, Norm Ratmund, um, Doc Shaner, Liam Sharp, Ryan Sook, Nicole, Nicholas Scott, John Romita Jr., Yvonne Hayes, Joe Prado, Kevin Nolan, uh, let's see, Mike Grell, uh, Gary Frank, Nick Darrington, Jim Chung, I mean, Art Adams, and that's about half of the amount of people artists that are going to be working on these two issues of legion. I I don't know I don't, I don't know if they're, they're double sized but they better be double sized because if it's like every other panel <laughs> is a different artist that's going to be insane. Um, uh, but yeah man that that is a I don't think we've seen an art, art artistic lineup on a single issue this diverse since like when Marvel put out those um, X-Men for Hunger things. You remember those?
1: Yes, vaguely, but yes, I do
0: yeah. remember them. The, or, you know, DC with who's who or whatever. Like, this is a lot of people on just two issues, double-sized or not, of Legion. This is crazy. You have to, I mean, like, I, you know, you don't have to buy anything if you don't want to, but I, if I if I were not a reader of Legion, I would just be intrigued by the sheer amount of talent that are supposed to be on these two issues.
1: Yeah, that, uh, it is an impre- it is an impressive lineup. Probably not enough to get me to actually buy those books, but it but is impressive. Uh,
0: there's an ad for Lois Lane uh, for the sort of kid stuff that they've been putting out. Yeah. Uh, there's an ad for a crossover between. Uh, is it a crossover? Uh, maybe. Doesn't really Was necessarily. What's super, the Superman thing? Yeah, Superman, Action Comics, and Legion of Superheroes. I, th- I
1: think they're just. I think they're just pushing all the Superman-related books. Ah, is what I think. Gotcha.
0: Uh, yeah, because Superboy is a part of the Legion, FYI, I, uh, Jonathan Kent. Um, there's an ad for DC Universe, which is interesting. Uh, and there's an ad for. Uh, there's an ad for uh, the HBO Max on the very next page. <laughs> so, the baby and its su- like likely successor. Uh, <laughs> but on the back, this is really cool because I actually found out of, about this before it was advertised. The Legion of Superheroes animated series that came out, I guess, the, you know, it says right here, the mid two thousands, um, is has been like really released and remastered in a Blu-ray collection. Yep. Uh, and you, it's available for purchase over at the Warner Archive. So, warnerarchive.com. If you guys haven't, go check out that site and see what they have for sale. Because, like, yeah, they also uh, will sell you, like, the latest season of Supergirl and Flash and stuff like that. But there are pages, pages of Blu rays on that site of movies I haven't seen in the general public in a while. Um, or didn't even know existed in Blu-ray format. Um, So one day I had just, you know, I was on there and I just happened to be going through the whole thing. I think I saw somebody mention Warner archive online and I found this. Uh, And that's why, you know, I want to get it because I'm, I don't think I've made it like a, an obsession. Like I have to do this, but I am of the opinion that I want all of the animated and, and live action DC content in, uh, like, a Blu-ray collection, like, yeah, of course, I've gone after, like, the CW-verse and all this other stuff, uh, and, and, like, the direct-to-DVD movies and things like that, but I've also, like, grabbed all, all of the DC Universe content that's come out on Blu-ray, and I've grabbed, you know, the CW-animated stuff that's somewhat connected to the CW-verse, like, the Ray and the Constantine thing, and, like, I, I like to get all, all of the DC-related stuff, and, like, the old stuff that's been released and remastered on blu-ray you know batman the animated series batman beyond uh but man legion of superheroes that was a controversial show not a, not everybody liked this show um and it wasn't on very long but uh I, I enjoyed it i thought it was fun this is cool it's i
1: mean and as far as even from an advertising perspective it's not even if you knew about this show and you watched the show it's it's it is kind of random. You just wouldn't expect to just turn the page. It's on the back cover this month of your DC books.
0: Yeah, for sure. So it's 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 just interesting. Every ad in this thing, every ad in this thing is DC related. Now, one is Audible, one is of the DC Universe app, one is of HBO Max, one is of Warner Archive. So obviously, you know, it's their their parent company and stuff using. You know the various things. I'm sure they paid them for it or whatever, probably a reduced rate or or whatever. But it was interesting to see that every single bit of content in here was DC related, in some way, shape, or form. I thought that was interesting and worth noting.
1: No, that is true. It was it was a good catch. It was it was. It's probably just a continuation of the you know them circling the wagon of that effect that they're focusing on. Basically. They're all about themselves, and I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way. But you know, they're they're going to be you know distributing things themselves. They're going to be pu- you know they're going to be promoting themselves, and, and it makes perfect sense that hey, you know, we're gonna we have this ad space. So <laughs> so even if we're not going to be exclusively doing this all the time, let's just uh, let's just do it. You know, it's like at least for at least with you know with fandom right you know, at the time, you know, they knew they were going to be pushing that, and HBO Max they wanted to push. It's like yeah, and Lord knows they're pushing metal up the wazoo. That yeah, let's just let's just go you know balls to the wall and just do it. So be curious. It will be something to pay attention to, like going forward to see if if this trend continues or whether it's whether it's like it's a, a one off or whether this becomes the norm for almost all the things that are advertised in DC books are related to Warner Brothers. For sure.
0: All right, that's all I had to talk about uh, for this issue. Do you have anything else you wanted to discuss?
1: Uh, blissfully no. I think. I think. <laughs> All right. Uh, if people
0: want to reach out to us and you know vote if the next issue coverage should be uh, in a pre birth episode, <laughs> what, what, uh, I, I what don't should think, they do?
1: Uh, well, actually, I was going to say I don't think Jim would go for that, but Jim is actually revisiting the Morrison books and um, sort of trying to look at things from a different perspective. So it. So he, he, he technically would not necessarily be against. It. <laughs> So Jim is uh, taking a parallax approach, is what you're saying. Uh, I, anyway,
0: you said things from a different perspective. Yeah, it is true. That is true. That
1: I, so, you were, you were, so from a technical definition perspective, yes. But if anyone was going to be taking a parallax approach, it probably would be more. I appreciate parallax, I think, a little bit more than Jim does. Um, and cat- guys,
0: v- vote for the pre-birth coverage, because that means <laughs> I don't have to be there for the episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, be careful what you wish for, Chad. Uh, uh, <laughs> fam- famous last words. And Chad was never heard from again. But, but! <laughs> he said he didn't want to make be- it. <laughs> um, All right, lanterncast.com. The email is lanterncast at gmail.com. The voicemail is 708lantern. So you can leave us a voicemail or text us. You can use uh, leave a text message there too for us if you want us to read that on the air. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to us. We're on all of those. Please leave us a positive review. And last but not least here, you can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Hashtag GLCast is the easiest way to track us down there. And as far as our next episode goes, we're not entirely sure. It may be far sector, but there's always possibilities out there. (laughs) For sure.
0: All right, guys. We'll talk to you later.